This is Feed, Play, Love and Helpline on Feed, Play, Love with sleep consultant Joe Ryan. So Joey's here to help you with whatever might be challenging you this week with your small humans. It could be sleep, could be feeding, could be behaviour. Raising children is never straightforward. <laughs> so Joe's here to help us navigate those times when we just can't see our way through. So there are a number of ways you can ask your questions today. The first way is if you're watching us live on the Facebook page, you can pop your questions below the video. If you're listening to us via the podcast, you can email us at helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. We also have a helpline group on Facebook, which is a great place to post your questions. So Joe, we do have a few, so I will get stuck into the very first one, which is um, from Kylie on our Facebook helpline group she says hi joe my son is 13 months old and for the past two weeks he started waking around 11 30 p.m for a breastfeed previously he would sleep until 1 30 a.m before waking for a feed and would usually sleep until six he will also wake around 4 a.m now and takes ages to resettle my husband goes in at four as i would prefer not to feed him again Any ideas why this is happening? He's on three solid meals and two snacks, three breastfeeds, morning, before sleep and once overnight, and a bottle in the afternoon which he usually refuses or takes very little. He is on one nap in the afternoon for usually two hours at home and one hour at daycare which he attends three days a week. He goes to bed by 7pm and wakes for the day anywhere between 5.30 and 6.30am. Thank you for any advice. Okay, well, I think um, what happens when babies are older and they don't actually need the feeding at night because at 13 months old and on three meals a day and snacks and all that that he's getting during the day, he really doesn't need the food overnight. So it's not, it's really more habit, comfort feeding. And what happens is that um, as um, they grow, those kind of, patterns become very cemented and there are certain parts of the night that are particularly wakeful you know where they can wake and it's usually around 11 12 o'clock at night because they're coming out of their deep sleep and then around four or five so they're classic wake periods and the problem is as babies get older and they get over 12 months these wakes become more and more frequent and they become more and more dependent upon feeding um, or whatever it is that they're getting so my recommendation would be to drop that feed actually altogether, you know, um, and uh, because the more that she offers the feed, the more he's going to continue to wake. And it might actually, like I say, get worse and she might find he's waking every couple of hours. Um, and then, you know, often we're not sure what to do, so we just feed and then it kind of reinforces the waking. So I would suggest that she, rather than um, feed, she resettles and it can take a long time the first time you do it and he's not going to like it because he's like, well, this is not what we do. Um, but they're very clever. They get it very quickly if you can push through. And, you know, I guarantee you that he will go back to sleep eventually. I just can't tell you how long it will take. The longest is generally a couple of hours because they tend to wake right up and it takes a couple of hours to get back to sleep. But once you've done it once, it improves dramatically, you know, and then, you know, I would think uh, what we're aiming for is for him to be able to sleep all night, which would be brilliant. Yeah. 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 Well, good. no reason why he couldn't. Yeah. 
Well, there you go, Kylie. He's completely capable of it. So let's fingers cross that works. And I hope you're sleeping through very, very soon. Mm -hmm. This is an email from Eileen. She says, I have a daughter who's turning three next week. Our second child, our son, arrived just over four months ago. She absolutely loves her brother. But since he arrived, her sleep has been very disrupted, several wakings in the night and is waking early. In turn, this has made her daytime behaviour very challenging as she's clearly very tired. I understand she's also hitting a development, developmental milestone, but the MCHN was concerned that it is still going on after four months. What's MCHN again? Maternal, uh, maternal Child oh, Health Nurse. Yeah, there we go. We are currently on a sleep program, but I was advised by my MCHN to see a child psychologist as it could be related to anxiety. I wanted to ask you if you'd also advise she, we see a child psychologist, especially if her sleep doesn't improve. We're halfway through the program and it's still very up and down. My concern is if she is too young to see a psychologist, my husband and I can see the benefits of seeing one to help us find coping strategies and help us understand what she's going through. Sure. Well, look, I think um, bringing new babies into the home is a huge disruption for a toddler. Um, no matter how much they love that baby, you know, and if they're very happy to have the baby, it is still a huge disruption. It's not something that they can consciously understand, you know, and you've got to think about, you know, before the baby, they were the centre of your universe, you were totally available to them and now you're not. And so generally these sorts of things manifest in sleep disturbances, you know, waking overnight, difficulty going off to sleep, uh, extra being extra clingy, those sorts of things. Um, so I think her behaviour is probably normal, a normal response to bringing a new baby home. And obviously, you know, there's a spectrum. Some kids don't have any reaction and some have quite a severe reaction to these sorts of things. Um, I think developing some kind of routine and strategy around bedtime and dealing with her and, and, and overnight can be helpful. Um, it's very hard to kind of um, maintain it when you have a new baby and that sort of thing. And, and toddlers are designed to push back and three-year-olds particularly can be particularly tr tricky, you know, um, trying to assert their independence. But I don't think from what I can hear that there's there would be any need to see a psychologist yet. She's very young. It's very, for me, it sounds like it's very normal behaviour. Um, and we don't want to kind of over-medicalise normal behaviour either or make it, you know, um, you know, something that it's not, you know. Um, you know, anxiety is normal. You know, having levels of anxiety is, is normal around things. And particularly toddlers who are overwhelmed by the world, that, plus they have these overwhelming feelings that they don't understand. They can't put words to them. They, don't, they can't say what they're feeling, you know. So that's where we come in. We help name those feelings. We help them identify and we help them understand that what they're going through is normal, um, so I think I would really start by getting some kind of program or some kind of sleep program that you can work on. And I know that you've been doing something by the sounds of it, but toddlers, the sleep can go pear-shaped very quickly, very quickly. Um, but that said, it can come back pretty quickly. But it's about having structure, routine and showing her 
that, you know, everything's fine, everything's normal, spending some one-on-one time with you away from the baby, you know, so that she feels like her little world is still, you're still there and it's not all too (gasps) crazy, you know. And things like, I don't know whether she's also picked up extra time at childcare or whatever thing, you know, there's a lot of things that might be going on to contribute to that. So my gut reaction would be no, I don't think she needs to see a psychologist yet. I would develop, I would do some kind of sleep program um, so that you could help get the sleeping back on track first and then kind of address it if it's, if things don't work. Don't improve. Good luck, Eileen. It's always, always such a juggle when there's a second mm. baby come along. Even yeah. four months in is still in the trenches. <laughs> we have a question from Ashley on Facebook Live. She says, my daughter just turned two and I'm concerned about her speech and hearing. She's only able to say a handful of words, about 20 or so, and the rest is babbling. She cannot string two words together other than no more, too hot, and Oh no, which is so cute. (laughs) She answers to her name, points at pictures and imitates animal sounds in books. She makes eye contact and she was an early walker. She skipped crawling and by 11 months, she was walking by herself. I have made an appointment for a speech and hearing checkup, but I'm really worried. Am I overreacting? Uh, Well, (laughs) I think, you know, again, they all do things at different um, paces and uh, speech is one of the things that can can be a bit slow for some kids, but generally they tend to catch up to as quite young too, to be doing full sentences, you know. Girls are generally a bit faster at those things anyway, but it sounds like she's kind of meeting all her other milestones really well and maybe ahead of time. I I would... um, I mean, getting a hearing checked and getting it checked out is an absolutely great idea. But, um, again, I wouldn't worry until she was maybe three, I think. You know, um, I, I think give her some time, you know, um, she, everything else sounds fine. Don't, I mean, it is, it, obviously it's easy for me to say don't worry. You know, we're going to worry about our children all the time. But I don't think it sounds unusual or abnormal or anything to really be concerned about at this stage. It's always good, isn't it, Joe, to think about two-year-olds, you know, who are articulate? Because I don't think mm. I've ever met a two-year-old that I actually understood. Yeah. Um, and you're right. Like, I remember my daughter was very quick with language and people would comment. But within my mother's group, I mean, it's probably super hard right now because of COVID that Ashley, I'm not sure how it is for you, Ashley, but um, we we don't see as many people. We don't yeah. see as many children. And the best way to see how your kid's tracking is when you're amongst lots of kids. Yeah. We can see how different they all are. But, um, yeah, I don't know that I understood either of my children (laughs) as long as she's communicating and you know trying to communicate getting herself understood you know i think that's a good start yeah yeah and looks at i love how she imitates animal sounds yeah that's great yeah yeah Yeah. well good luck ashley and i you know great it's always good i think isn't it to follow up with a professional if you're ever worried it just puts your mind and heart at ease and Totally. You don't lose anything totally. by doing it, do you? That's right. That's right. 
This is a question from our helpline group from Ali. She says, hi ladies, my son turns one on Thursday. He has recently started very strongly refusing his afternoon nap. He will normally have a great first nap, minimal one and a half hours, um, sometimes up to two and a half hours. But when we put him down for an afternoon nap, he will scream and not settle. We will try to leave him for 10 minutes and resettle. Uh, but after about 30 to 45 minutes of going in and out, we just give up and get him up. No big shocker. That is now affecting his night's sleep. So mm -hmm. as he is so overtired, yeah. a little background. He usually would have had two naps between one to two hours each with three hours awake time in between 6.37 p.m. bedtime and wake up between 6 and 7 a.m. He will sometimes wake between three and five for a feed or cuddle, but go straight back to sleep. He's a good eater and is normally a great self-settler, never normally needing us to come in to get himself to sleep. He is still self-settling perfectly for his morning nap and bedtime, just not the afternoon nap. He has also just started two days a week at daycare. I don't think he's ready to drop to one nap, but any tips on how to get him to nap in the afternoon, saving him and us more extreme overtiredness in the evenings? Or do I just need to accept we need to start the transition to one nap? If uh, the later, how do I, if the latter, how do I go about this? Yeah. Okay. So there's a couple of things you can do. So yes, you can move to one nap because you can't force them to sleep in the afternoon. So the way I would do that would be to slowly just move his morning nap further towards the middle of the day. So you could start by putting him down at 10.30 and then maybe 11 and see how it goes, which means he'll sleep later in the afternoon and the afternoon won't be so long. You can also bring bedtime back a little bit earlier. So if he's going to bed between 6.30 or 7, bring it back to between 6 and 6.30, you know. Um, so there's that. If you feel that he can't cope then one thing you can do, and, and as babies get older, so from about 10 months onwards, normally what they do is they have one short nap and one longer nap. So if they don't do that naturally, what I recommend is that you actually shorten one of those naps. And, and obviously he's having a very long nap in the morning. So you could cut that back and, and, and sort of cap it at sort of 45 minutes to an hour, wake him up, and then he should be tired enough to go down for his afternoon nap, which means he won't be so tired in the evening and you can stretch him out to 7 p.m. But that said, you know, um, some kids are terrible at being woken up, um, you know, and they're pretty cranky and it's sort of they don't like being woken up and it really upsets them. Um, other kids are fine. You know, you just go in and you open the blind and they sort of are like ready to get up. So they're sort of the two options. I think you, you need to work out what would work best for him, you know, like, um, but it's pretty normal from around 12 months that children will start to want to shorten their day naps and either move to one nap or have one short nap and one longer nap. Um, so that's not unusual, but it's just, you know, he's telling you that he needs something to change, you know, and so we need to kind of now work out um, how to do that that will work best for him so they're the two options obviously it's probably better if he has two naps a day for you and for him um, because they can you know the transition to one nap can be exhausting and it can take a bit of time but like I say push that nap out towards midday bring his bedtime earlier and then hopefully um, it won't take too long this is a question from Marvi in our helpline group 
She says, I'm hoping you have some good advice for me. My 16-month-old barely drinks any water. It's starting to really concern me, especially as we come into hotter months. He gets a breastfeed morning and night, but I'm not sure how much I have left there to rely on it being a significant amount to help for his overall hydration. During the day, I regularly offer a range of straw cups and open cups, sometimes my cup, but he swats me away mostly. I leave them in his reach, but he never takes them. He gets some cow's milk before bed, about 80 mil, but rarely finishes that. His nappy output can vary, approximately 100 to 200 mils in his overnight nappy. I change him five times a day. We use modern cloth nappies, and they can be quite light on and yellow. Some days it's really good, but other days pretty bad. He's always happy, runs around, playful, eats well, and looks healthy with rosy little cheeks. He has good regular soft poos and never been constipated. From my research, the recommended intake for his age is anywhere from one cup per year of age to 1.5 litres for his age. Most days, I'm lucky if he drinks 100 mils of water from his bottle. I don't ever give him juice because of the sugars. When I'm really desperate, I'll make a smoothie, but I don't want to rely on that again because of the sugars. Our dentist didn't recommend it. Any advice would be appreciated. Well, it's very hard to force a child to drink. So, you know, um, and some kids just really aren't into water. <laughs> um, so you could certainly dilute, you know, juice. Uh, so you're reducing the amount of sugar and, um, you know, make it up like cordial, so a little bit of apple juice, orange juice, and then some water, which might help. Uh, I'd probably start by offering something like that, you know, um, some kind of taste, you know, flavour to the water so that, it, you know, smoothies are great. I don't think smoothies have a particular amount of sugar in them. I mean, obviously it's fruit. If you don't add too much, you know, juice, I guess. But, you know, sugar, fruit, Sugar from fruit is not terrible. You just don't want to overload them with it, you know, particularly. So it, it's not terrible to have one smoothie a day and maybe add a little bit of juice to some water to start with. Just try to work out what it is that he does like to drink, you know, and then start by that. And then you can kind of increase the amount of water and decrease the amount of juice if you want to. Um, it is tricky. You know, there are just some kids that just don't like drinking water. But... Um, you know, obviously we, we need them, you know, they need to drink. I mean, it sounds like his output's not terrible. Um, but, um, yeah, that, that's what I would do and offer him, you know, you know, different cups. It sounds like you're doing that, you know. Um, but just keep, just keep offering it and find the thing that he likes would be my thing. Find the thing that he does like the taste of and then just go with that. Yeah. Our next question comes from Katya from our Facebook inbox. She says, my three, uh, three years and three month year old refuses to toilet train. We've bought him two types of potties, a toilet seat with a step and a toilet seat without a step. He freaks out at any attempt to sit on the toilet. We've managed to get him sitting on a potty when we request it when we request it with bribes. A couple of weeks ago, we decided to just take the plunge and start undies only. Unfortunately, he did a runny poo in his pants that day and had to be bathed and got really distressed about the whole thing. Mm. Don't blame him. No. <laughs> now he won't sit on the potty without screaming and says, undies don't work anymore. I feel like we can't progress with the training if he won't even sit on a potty when asked. We've tried all the recommendations. He has three books, including Even Firefighters Go to the Potty. 
<laughs> totally, he's saying stickers, treat bribes, poor patrol undies. We've gone to the toilet demonstratively in front of him for years, explaining that he's a big boy now, but he doesn't care about being a big boy for this purpose. He mm. goes to daycare and all his peers have basically been toilet trained for a year. He's never liked doing, being without a nappy and makes me put it on when we just try without it. I was being patient and thought he will eventually get there. But the recent setback and his panic about it all makes me wonder if we need some sort of professional help. I'd love any advice. Yeah, it's tricky. And obviously we don't want to create a big issue about it because as we can see, you know, his anxiety increases and they just don't want anything to do it, do with it. So what I would suggest is let's just, just don't talk about it for a couple of weeks, you know, or a month, just put it, don't even talk about it because the more we talk about it, the more it becomes a huge thing, you know, and just have the potty around, you know, and, um, you know, just take the pressure off both of you, all of you for a bit. Um, and maybe the other thing that's really good for behaviour sort of changing things is social stories. So making a story with him in it about him, you know, and do it with him, like create the story with him, with pictures, do it on the computer, pictures, and just about how, I'm not sure what his name is, but, you know, um, how, say, little Johnny um, learns to use the toilet. You know, it's just a story. You don't have to be, you know, and it can be a short, lovely, happy story, you know, that you read every night before bed, um, you know, but I would take the pressure off. So don't do anything. And then after a couple of weeks of no pressure or no talking about the potty, then you could just do it sort of routinely, maybe before the bath or when he first gets up in the morning. Um, but to remember that, you know, poos and wees are different. You know, the wees usually come first. The poos are generally a bit later. Um, and sometimes boys are slower with the weeing as well. So, um, you know, it's very unusual that a child does not get toilet trained, <laughs> you know. Uh, so it will happen. It, I think, um, and, and obviously it's hard because we want it to happen quickly, you know, um, but some children just don't respond well to that sort of pressure. You know, so um, taking the pressure off can be very helpful. Um, Joe, I remember um, someone once talking about signs when a child is ready to toilet train. Because like you said, a lot of us want to do it as soon mm -hmm. as we feel they're capable. But what would you say are the actual signs? So if Katya backs off a bit and gives her little one a bit of time, um, would there be signs for her to look out for that maybe they are ready to give it a shot? Well, generally being dry, you know, being more dry in their pull-ups. The problem with pull-ups these days is that they are like undies and they don't feel the wetness. So it has con contributed to this kind of um, uh, delay in kids being toilet trained generally. Um, so, but I mean, you want him to take the lead pretty much. So when he starts just to, you know, just to not feel pressure and to be able to ask himself, you know, can I use the potty or, um, you know, and when you ask him, just be very casual about it. Like, do, do you want to sit on the potty before you get in the bath? If he says no, okay, 
You know, there's no big deal. No, are you sure? Are you sure? You know, why don't you just have a go? You know, that's all pressure and that, you know, kids don't deal with that well. I mean, reward charts and star charts are helpful, but, you know, he might not care about that either. But, you know, once you feel like um, he's taking the lead more, then you can certainly offer those sorts of things. But like I say, it's, it's, um, it's more stressful for us, I think, you know, and with summer coming, maybe just um, when, when it gets much warmer, obviously, and we're out, outside more in the backyard, maybe just have the undies off, like no, no undies, you know, at all, and see what happens. Um, you know, um, see if he asks to use the potty or maybe he just goes in the garden or whatever. You know, like just, you know, that sort of thing. Because if the undies have caused, you know, having an accident in your undies is not very pleasant, so, you know, he might have a bit of a thing about that. So maybe just take them off, take them out of the equation altogether and just say today we're, you know, having an undie-free day or a nappy-free day, you know. Um, but it's better if you can do it outside so that there's not. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> good luck with that. Yeah, good luck. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, and as, as with everything with children, this too shall pass, right? Like I, yeah, exactly. I hated toilet training my kids, but now it's just a memory. Yeah. Exactly. Handy. I'm just trying to give you a light at the end of the tunnel there. Um, we have a question from Facebook Live and Noor. She says, my little one is 10 weeks old. I believe she's associating her bottle with naps and bedtimes. How can I fix it? She won't fall asleep until she has drunk every last drop especially at bedtime i have tried to burp or swaddle her to break the association but she's too asleep is feeding her to sleep a bad idea at this age no no she's 10 weeks she's tiny um feeding to sleep is fine i mean babies under 12 weeks really are unable to kind of put themselves to sleep anywhere anyway I mean, there are some that just do it naturally, but mostly babies, young babies need assistance some way, whether it be feeding, rocking, patting, you know, something. So I don't think that that's bad at all. I mean, I think obviously as she gets towards maybe four months, um, you know, you'll find that she'll be more awake anyway. So she won't be falling asleep so much. So you can do the burping after and the swaddling after, maybe keeping her awake a little bit more. But I wouldn't worry at this stage. You know, I think, you know, you're way in the middle of this tiny newborn phase and, you know, enjoy it. And, and you know, if she's then sleeping well after that, brilliant. You know, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't be worried right now. And next and possibly last question comes from Cara. She says, um, I'm hoping you can help us with a bit of a stinky problem. Mm. Our two-and-a-half-year-old is refusing baths. He <laughs> had a complete tantrum when we try to get him to take one. He screams from undressing to drying off and refuses to sit in the warm water. So he stands there crying while we bathe him. God, I remember that happening. <laughs> then starts to calm down as we put his warm PJs on. We've tried showers, but he's afraid of the water showering down. So it's the same result. We've resorted to sponge bathing him, bathing him a few times a week just to keep him clean, which he also hates, but at least tolerates because he knows it means he doesn't have to get in the bath. I'm wondering if it could be a sensory issue for him or just a phase. Is there anything we can do to make bath time easier for him and for us? Thanks so much. <laughs> well, toddlers, you've got to love them, right? Um, so if this is a classic toddler, you know, behaviour. I mean, I don't like it. I'm not going to do it. 
it doesn't feel good for whatever reason and I can't express that so I'm just going to, you know, have a tantrum. So that's pretty much. So and we've got to respect that, you know. So I wouldn't be forcing him to have a bath. I would find alternatives, like ask him what he wants to do, give him some buy-in, you know, ask him, you know, I mean, showers are a good option, but maybe a shower with a hose rather than the, you know, if you could get a little hose thing and he could hold it and maybe shower himself or, you know, have a bit of fun, like a hose, something like that. Um, You know, sponge bathing him a couple of times a week is not terrible. You know, you could try the laundry tub. You could try a bucket in the sitting in the shower, you know, a big bucket sitting in the shower. I know someone I know had to do that for a long time because the child refused anything else. Um, So there are other things you could do, but I wouldn't worry too much. Don't make it a big issue. Just, um, you know, kids, you know, I mean, toddlers do get dirty, but it's been winter, so I doubt he's sort of out and about in the mud too much. But, you know... um, don't worry, it'll pass. Again, as Shunavorn's wise words, it'll pass. <laughs> I was going to say that when uh, I remember my kids doing that and um, it, it's so perplexing because you're like, you, you were fine like mm. last week and now you're not sitting down and you're hating the bath and both my kids love having a bath now or even a shower. It's hard to get them out of the shower. So, mm. yeah, it does change. And they yeah. get here as they get older too so just be you know as long as it's not a teenager who's not bathing more than once a week um unfortunately we have run out of time so joe thank you so much for joining us and i will mention that um you know we had we have sleep school or we had sleep school on babyology but everyone was booking in and we just figured that it was so popular we would expect expand it to parent school so it's not just sleep concerns and um as a parent of a five-year-old and an eight-year-old i'm six-year-old goodness what is age i must say that parenting challenges don't stop when they start sleeping through so it's really exciting that babyology has this opportunity Um, basically we have experts available that can speak about everything from breastfeeding introducing solids toddler behavioral challenges all the things that you're asking joe about today so you can choose your expert joe is one of them um, and they will give you guidance and help you through i so wish we had it when we were smaller i might be i might be jumping on joe and uh talking to you about sure (laughs) school refusal um (laughs) so you just jump online choose the expert it's all very easy and there'll be links in this uh episode on the podcast and also on facebook live if you want to check out parent school joe have a wonderful week and thank you everyone for your questions see you next time Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.